Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit. Or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. As a plant-based cheese company, Dea has never talked about beef in an ad before. Because someone somewhere once had a beef with saying beef and plant-based together. So putting a slice of Dea cheese on a beef burger, not okay. Well, our delicious melty cheese has a beef with your beef about beef. Because any step towards plant-forward eating is a step in the right direction. Dea, 100% plant-based, even if you're not. Now made with Dea Oat Cream Blend. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray Strandom wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. Hello and welcome to this week's Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe. I'm the editor of your favourite food magazine and this week's host. Today, the team are back to discuss their favourite Italian restaurants in Soho, which is great if you're heading to the capital for London Fashion Week. Janine talks us through our globally inspired fish feature from our February issue. Plus, Sarah is fresh from her appearance on Sunday brunch last weekend to explain why pink fizz is for life, not just for Valentine's Day. First up, here's Alex, our digital writer, with web editor Charlotte on their favourite Soho Italians. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm here with Charlotte. Hello. And on the podcast last week, I spoke about um, some original date ideas uh, for foodies in London. Yes. So have a listen to that. Um, One of the places I mentioned was Bar Termini, which is this gorgeous, tiny little idealised 1950s style Italian coffee bar. You also do Negroni's on Old Compton Street in Soho. And it's gorgeous. It's got. Have you been? I have. It was yeah. a long time ago, and I did what you did and went to Ronnie Scott's afterwards. Mm. Yes, it's Perfect really nice. Evening, it's, just, it's, yeah. it's got a lovely um, curved mahogany bar and a huge coffee machine, and um, it's very nice. But what we were thinking is, um, it got us talking about our favourite Italian spots. Yes, in, in London. Yeah, Soho in particular is a real hub for Italian food. Yes, it's actually, directly opposite Ronnie Scott's, which is um, just around the corner from Bar Termini. There's a place called Bar Italia. Which have you been to that one? Is that the really small one? Yes, it's a tiny little place and opened in 1949. Wow! Um, and it just like it's so Italian. It like yeah. just uses a, a traditional Italian culture because they have the original coffee machine, espresso machine, from, which is a gad gadia, yeah, from 1949, and framed photographs and paraphernalia, and everybody stands at the bar like an Italian style and drinks their espresso. Yes, um, of course you get charged more if you sit down <laughs> in Italy. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's why they main. That's why they stand. Ah, so it's like takeaway, but not actually yeah, essentially, taking away. But you would only stand there for about five or ten minutes, usually on your way to work ah. or something. Yeah, you because sit down. 
That's Charlotte actually lived in Venice for a while. Didn't briefly, you? yes. If you sit down, then uh, then you will get charged extra. So oh, all the tourists come in and sit down and then wonder why they park your bottom. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> okay, I'll note that for next time. Um, another place I really like is Bocca di Lupo, mm-hmm. which we've both been to, haven't yes. we? It's a bit more high end, isn't yes. it? Um, Slightly more expensive. Yeah, but the, the, I think you can do it you know well it's because the they're like tapas style sharing plates and you can get small sizes and what i love about it is it really focuses on the regional uh dishes um because they have an amazing like wild boar ragu from umbria and then they have the orecchetti from calabria the the little pasta yeah, little ears shaped like an ear. yeah. <laughs> um and also they have a really nice um chicory dish which is um called punterelli so it's mm. this chicory from lazio and it's called asparagus chicory because of the way the shoots grow up like asparagus and they flower at the top oh, wow. and it's surrounded by this um like serrated bitter dark green leaf around the outside and it's amazing with like an anchovy dressing but that's that's the best thing about italian food is just they're really simple dishes mm but with the most amazing ingredients and yes. the produce they have in Italy is incredible. So Second to none. Because yeah. you, you cook a lot of Italian food. Yes, I'd say 80% of the time we cook Italian. But like you said, it's very simple, but if you invest in the ingredients, it's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's just... Uh, I remember Rose Gray saying once, I think it was her, that her favourite dish ever was a, just a tomato sauce. Tomato pasta ah. sauce, the, the one that she'd obviously cook it. for 24 hours or something. Is that Rose from uh, River, River Cafe? Cafe. I yes. think it was a Desert Island Discs that she said that oh, on, but I might be wrong. But but yes, it's, it's the same concept, isn't it? Just just going back to the basics, the ingredients and letting them shine, but putting some effort into it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, another place that I quite like in Soho is Lena Stores. Quite like is an understatement, yes, I think, Charlotte. we love it. We love it. It's so <laughs> classy. Places. Uh, you can actually sit there. There's only a couple of seats, two or three, I think. Uh, but it's a great place to go for fancy ingredients if you yes. want to treat yourself. Yeah, they do lots of um, dry pastas that they import from Italy, and it is on the rare occasion. Um, definitely worth investing in that because you can taste the difference. It doesn't even have to be fresh to taste the difference. And there's a particular do... brand that you like. <coughs> yes, I uh, I really like one called La Molisana. La Molisana. And uh, they do all sorts of different. They do bucatini and um, orecchetti and bucatini. What's that? Bucatini is the sort of thicker spaghetti that's it's hollow. Oh, it's okay. got the. Um, it's like a really ho- a, like a hollow tube. Yes. Not that it's only a little bit thicker than spaghetti, but it's just a bit more exciting than spaghetti. Um, So I I would probably maybe get something like that once a month, just Mm -hmm. as a treat. Uh, And then you can use a product like that in one of our recipes to make it that little bit more special. Yeah, just to give it added value. And they also do lots of different cheeses there. Um, And it just encourages you to go beyond using something like Parmesan and instead maybe use Pecorino, which is just as good a substitute, slightly sharper and saltier. Uh, Pecorino is made from sheep's milk and Parmesan is made from cows. Uh, But it's just something slightly different. Um, Most of Pecorino is made in Sardinia, so they import it from Sardinia. 
Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just, just a very simple change that makes yeah. it feel a bit more special. We've actually got a recipe on our website called Cacho e Pepe, which oh, you've yes. probably heard Legendary. Very fashionable. Our recipe, I think, Padella, actually, it's a Padella recipe. Yep. Uh, it's simply Cacho means cheese and Pepe means pepper. So it is just literally um, pecorino and uh, pepper, olive oil. That's pretty much it. I mean, there are a few other things. Just but- to clarify, the recipe is um, on uh, the website. It's from Padella, which is a restaurant that recently, pasta, well, yes. pasta bar, really, that yeah. recently opened in Borough Market. Yes. And it's worth the queue because the queue's like usually about a half an hour at least long but it's so worth it yes it's amazing i first had that dish in um venice about four or five years ago obviously they've been eating it for donkey years uh, yes. and then we've just suddenly yeah. discovered it and everyone's going <laughs> london mad. has discovered the new yes yeah, i think pasta. literally only in the, in the last year hasn't it but it's just so it's basically this is incredibly crude but it's basically like a posh mac and cheese i mean i'm sure they'd hate it yeah. if, they would never say that, but it's um, just cheese just and so pasta. Simple, yeah. But it's a you get a really emulsified, glossy sauce. It's much more delicate. Mm. It's like worms, isn't it? Yeah, it does look like worms. Yeah. <laughs> We're using really nice terminology yes. here, aren't we? It, <laughs> it is, is really good. Go. <laughs> it's far more delicate and elegant than to your traditional mac and cheese. Yeah. So that would be my favourite place to go yeah we've also got lots of italian dessert recipes on the website um just for some really traditional desserts that we've got to remise for example um but if you're eating out it's definitely worth popping across the road after your time at bocca de lupo to there it's a gelateria called gelupo and they have the best mint stracciatella ice cream it's incredible it's mint ice cream but it's fresh mint it genuinely tastes like mint which sounds obvious but when it comes to ice cream it's not because mint ice cream tastes like more like peppermint Mm. I'd say and more artificial but this literally tastes like you're eating mint leaves in gelato form with little pieces of fine chocolate wow so that could be part of a date idea as well couldn't it yes it could (laughs) i will add that to my list now yeah Yeah. um yeah also i've included um the lena stores my foodie date idea is to do a picnic so you can just go to the deli at um lena stores because they've got loads of like they've got finocchione the fennel salami and loads of cheeses as you said so um yeah do do check that out again online yes great Thank you, Alex and Charlotte. Next up is Janine and I talking global fish recipes. Okay, hello. So I've got Laura here, myself, hello. and <laughs> and I've got lovely Janine, our food director. Hello, hello. And um, what are we talking about today, Janine? Um, we are talking about the fantastic fish recipes that we have in our February issue. Yeah, we've got some really, really beautiful yeah. recipes from around the world, haven't we? Yeah, because what we decided was February is a great time for fish and seafood. Mm. And um, we thought we'd look for some inspiration, as we often do, from um, other places in the world. So yeah. we kind of just went around the globe and picked little bits and pieces there and, and sort of took the best of what we thought people did with fish. Yeah, in basically. terms of techniques and in terms yeah. of flavours. Yeah, and getting some quite unusual things in there as well. 
not because yeah. obviously everyone knows fish and chips, but um, which is a classic. Yeah, not everyone knows octopus, for example. <laughs> no, so yeah, talk us through that because that's in a recipe that we kind of took inspiration from from Greece, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think everyone's got these memories of you know going away to the Mediterranean and having this amazingly charry grilled octopus. Mm. So we wanted to get a, a really simple treatment for it. So the idea was that we you'd you'd sort of learn how to actually um, cook the octopus. Yeah. So you so you don't you're not scared of it as well and then Mm. so the idea was that you do a kind of double cooking process so first you simmer it um i think it's about an hour an hour and a half to get it perfectly tender and then um to finish it off your um your kind of char grilling it just on a little grill pan or in the summer you can do it on a barbecue um just to get those really nice little charred crusty bits on and then a nice little simple dressing to finish ice cold glass of wine and you can just imagine you're dipping your toes <laughs> in the Mediterranean yeah maybe I mean, not a day like today when we're freezing yeah well you know that's that's why you have food to take you to places that you aren't exactly, in currently yeah um but this was a real real hit in the test kitchen wasn't yeah, it? yeah and we, we've been saying that octopus is one of those things that um We've always got things bubbling away on our radar because we eat out a lot, but more and more people seem to be doing octopus yeah. in restaurants. Yeah. Um, and we actually, um, on one of our earliest podcasts, I think it's episode eight, we visited Lanama um, and the chef showed me how to cook an octopus, which was quite an education because yeah. it, it was a beast. <laughs> yeah, but it just proves that once you learn how to do it, because it, it, I think some people might have the fear that you're going to have this really rubbery um, no. piece of of fish and it's just not like that at I mean, all. when you know when how to you, cook yeah. it's so tender and when you get it you will just get the kind of leg you know, you don't mm. get the whole head sack no. and stuff which is quite a, a big scary looking bit yeah. you just get this kind of you know and then you chop it up so it's it's very simple to do so that was a great one and a, t- a taste of summer definitely and definitely listen to that episode of the podcast as well <laughs> if you haven't already because it's um it's really fascinating the process yeah. and he's a really interesting character definitely himself, isn't he? okay so another one that we loved was a dish from mexico right yeah this is called agua chili um and it actually means um chili water and it's sort of like in the same uh, vein as a ceviche. Yeah. Um, so you're taking a raw fish, in this case we're using prawns, and you're marinating it. And I kind of looked up, because I'm I'm kind of interested, this is not totally scientific, but, <laughs> but essentially what happens is um, the citric acid in the marinade causes the protein to denature in a similar way to... Um, to the application of heat. Okay. So what it does is it changes the texture of it from yeah. a from a sort of slightly more rubbery, jellyish fish yeah. to to that nice kind of cooked fish texture, mm. and it changes the color yeah. to um, to opaque as yeah. well. So what you're doing is you're kind of mimicking the heat process without actually applying heat. So um, and and it's used. It, I mean, obviously it's used a lot in uh, Mexico. It's used yeah. a lot in South America. Um, but but the agua chili is lovely because you kind of you chop up your prawns mm. raw and then you put them in this gorgeous kind of dressing with like tons of chilli and lime juice. So and zingy and fresh, isn't Zingy it? and fresh, yeah, mm. exactly. So then when you kind of turn it out at the end, it's served with, um, I think we've got a little bit of avocado, sliced onion, Every, coriander. Avocado makes everything better. Yes. <laughs> so you just get this massive zing in your mouth, yeah. this gorgeous fresh, and it, it makes a really beautiful little starter to, um, to meal because it's like super light as well. Yeah, we serve it with tortilla chips, don't we? Yeah, um, just scoop. But we're also doing a big thing on tacos in our March issue, and I think yeah. it's a be beautiful in It'd a taco. It'd be great taco filling. Yeah. You can, again, you can like you can make it ahead. So that's what's really nice about it. You know, just leave it in there for like half an hour before people arrive, and then you can just bung the whole big 
pot in the middle of the table and let everyone kind of scoop away. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That's a real like pick me up for February. That's yeah, a real dish definitely. to kind of get you out of the comfort <laughs> food zone. Yeah. Um, and one last one that we're going to talk about because there's six brilliant recipes in the feature, really so you definitely ones. should get the issue while you still can. <clears throat> um, but is there, I'm going to hopefully pronounce it correct, is it? Arroz negro. Arroz negro, yeah. Right, okay. Which is a a black rice. Um, Actually, this one was, we we did this because Gregor, who you'll know from podcasts, (laughs) went on about it so much. (laughs) (laughs) Gregor does this thing where he just wears us down. (laughs) Why didn't you do this? I had this recipe. And and he he talks about it and talks about it until we did it. And this one, um, he described it to us and we we got kind of excited about it. And we went and researched it and decided to do a recipe for it. And it's basically... um, I mean, it, it's not a paella because we know once you start saying things are paella, yeah, so no, no paella, don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want to go there. Paella gate, yeah. um, it's a Spanish rice dish um, and it uses um, squid ink to give this amazing, beautiful, deep, rich, black colour to the so rice. So dramatic. And you kind of, what the squid ink brings as well is this kind of really earthy, umami kind of flavour mm. to it. So um, It's really subtle. It's not like a smack in the face no, of fish, is it? It's, it's kind of this fishy. subtle it's not, sea flavour. It's yeah, really beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's, it's sort of like briny, umami yeah. sort of thing, but in, but in a light way. Mm. And looking at it, you'd think it was really powerfully like yeah. flavoured, but it's not. It's kind of more that you're just bringing this drama with the... Um, with the squid ink and um and squid ink's actually it's actually mostly cuttlefish ink i found out because they're okay. bigger and easier to um, extract the squid ink from <laughs> it's quite easy to get you don't have to kind of you know tackle one yourself tackle <laughs> yeah. you don't have to wrestle a squid no. and get its ink um most fishmongers sell it in these little packets okay. so i think you were saying in hampers sometimes you get little jars of yeah, squid Yeah, it's one of those things that if you're a foodie and you get given gifts for Christmas, I find that there's normally a packet of this chucks yeah, in. Yeah. It's it a great foodie ingredient, but it's rare to find a recipe that's yeah. really easy and delicious to use. So yeah. this is such a good one to try in. And I see that people from this issue have been already making it on Instagram and tagging us in. So definitely, definitely I would try yeah, this Yeah, I mean, I think people just really love the, um, you know, the look. It, it's an Instagram-worthy dish, mm. isn't it? Because it's got that real kind of dramatic look to it. Yeah, it's so pro- that, proper wow. Yeah, definitely one to sort of crack out if you're trying to impress the rallies or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyone who likes food yeah, should get involved basically. with this. Um, <clears throat> or yeah. black food. Indeed, which is also a trend, so there yeah. you go. Um, so, yeah, some really fabulous recipes in there. We've got some more from Vietnam, and we've got another from Portugal, yeah. a brilliant fish stew. And actually, I have to do a massive shout-out for the Sri Lankan fish curry. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Oh, my God, I made that for my boyfriend um, last weekend, and that was a proper winner, and I had some during the week as well because mm. it was so delicious. And, again, I've seen people making that on Instagram too. It's just a really quick and easy dish. Um, most of the stuff you'll probably have in your yeah. spice cupboard anyway. But yeah, it's proper delicious. I think it's that the theme that's running through it is, you know, it doesn't have to be high summer to make something that kind of takes you back to those little summery moments. Yeah. Like a lot of these things, a lot of the ingredients in there are just kind of spices or chilies or herbs which are around. And it just mm. it just perks up February and gives it a yeah. little bit more of a, a zing. Yes, I was definitely <laughs> we happy. Need we do, we do, we do. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, so that feature is our Gone Fishing Global Fish feature in our beautiful February issue. That's the one with the amazing Nutella pancakes on the front cover that's still out now so make sure you go grab a copy or you can download the digital edition via our free app or as ever you can always head to olivemagazine.com where we've got loads of recipes from our back catalogue too cool thank you so much Janine thank you thank you And last but certainly not least here's Sarah our drinks writer with three of her favourite rosé sparkling wines to try this weekend 
Hello again, it's me Laura back and this time I've got Sarah, our brilliant drinks writer, the now famous Sarah Kingsbury, (laughs) because last weekend, hopefully you all saw, Sarah was on Sunday brunch. I was, yeah. So that was your first time on the television. Yes. How was that? Very scary, but actually a lot of fun once I kind of got got on the set and everyone was there. It's so busy and so quick, you don't really have time to be nervous. No, we're very proud of you, you did a very good job. Yes, but um, so you were on and you were talking about Pink Fizz. Yeah. Which we're saying is for life, not just for Valentine's Day. It is for life. I mean, rosé in general gets kind of sidelined and it's only for summer, only for Valentine's Day. Yeah. But actually it's brilliant all year round. There's no reason why we should drink red and white all year round and rosé only just for, you know, twice a year. Yeah, I mean, we did a really good rosé podcast earlier. uh, Yeah in the season I was going to say but last summer (laughs) didn't we Um, I think the key is as with any wine it does get a bad rep but that's if you drink bad rosé so if you choose a good quality wine you're in for a good time right exactly it's the same with anything you can get some really horrendous whites and some really awful reds Yeah, but for some reason they don't get as much bad press. No, I think this is not maybe as much variety with rosé, so yeah. it's perhaps harder to track down, but so you've got three brilliant pink fizzes to I share do. with our yes. listeners, haven't you? Yeah. Okay, so where should we start? So the first one that I want to talk about, which I love, is um, a pink Moscato from Innocent Bystander. Yeah, okay. And it's not fizzy so much as it's kind of gently foaming. Like effervescent. Yeah, it's been um, only partially fermented. Right, okay. Fermentation, so it's still got bit to go it's like it's not as aggressively yeah sparkling so it's got a really nice mouthfeel then hasn't it yeah it's a bit fuller a bit yeah. richer um it's only five percent abv okay so it's really light it's great as an aperitif or great. you know if you want to drink at breakfast time yes. you can do that <laughs> um perhaps with our pancakes on the feb cover i think they'd be, go really well actually that would be really they? good that would yeah. be really good because it's sweeter as well because it's made from muscat grapes okay it is sweeter it's kind of floral summer fruits turkish delight rose petal kind of vibes beautiful um, and it's sweeter, so that means you can pair it with desserts, chocolate, um, summer berry kind of things. Yum. would be perfect. Okay, cool. And yeah. that was a big hit on Sunday brunch, wasn't That was, it? yeah. That was their favourite one. Okay, and that's the cheapest one as well, It is it? the cheapest one, yeah. It's only about £9 a bottle. Which is really good for a incredible. generally fizzing rosé. Yeah, really incredible. Good. It's got a really cool, um, like, beer crown top okay, cool. to it, so it looks a bit different. So a bit more theatre when you open it up on a table yeah, as well. Exactly. Great. Okay. Um, it is a little bit more tricky to track down, but Amazon stock it, and there's a couple of um, thedrinkshop.com, a couple of places online. Okay, cool. Next, we're going back we're home, going, aren't we? Yeah, we're going English next. Okay. Um, we're going to Nightimber, which is in Sussex, um, for their rosé brut. So brut okay. means dry. Okay. So it's not that kind of sickly sweet rosé that a lot of people think rosé is. Yeah. Its colour varies yeah. depending on the blend that they use. They only use Pinot Noir, Chardonnay and Pinot Meunier, which are the three main grapes okay. used in Champagne. Yeah. And the great thing is that we've got basically the same soil and pretty much the same climate yeah. in the UK yeah. as Champagne does. So we can produce pretty much the same product. But we're just not allowed to call it Champagne. We're just not allowed to call it Champagne because okay. it's not from the Champagne region. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's... Not good. No. I think it's fantastic. Right? No, not to be biased at all, but Nightingale is, <laughs> is one of my favourite sparkling wine yeah, producers ever. Too. If I go for a bottle of sparkling wine, I don't go for champagne generally. Yeah. I go for Nightingale's sparkling yeah. white wine. Um, I tend to now as well. And it's absolutely beautiful. And, and certain supermarkets do really good deals. I know Waitrose oh, yeah. often do really Amazing. good bargains on them too. And I'm sure they have offers on their website. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, 
people see champagne as this benchmark, but you can get really terribly made champagnes yeah. if you're not going for like the big houses that have put so much money into consistency yeah. into their vineyards. You can get some really awful champagnes, and in that situation, it's better to go for a prosecco or a carver mm. or something like an English fizz. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, so thoroughly recommend that yeah. one. It's really elegant. Really, really It elegant. is, yeah. And the bottle is beautiful as yeah. well. I know you shouldn't judge by packaging, but it's lovely. It's lovely to have on the table. Yeah, Kate Hawkins, our wine writer, would disagree, wouldn't she? She's just done a big yes, piece on stylish did. wine labels, but... They have their place. They do have their place. And we love Night Timber. Yeah. So, okay. And then the last one's a classic, isn't The it? last one is absolute classic. It's um, Lauren Perrier, Cuvée Rosé. Um, they've been making their rosé since 1968. They should know what they're doing. Should know what they're doing. They're one of the first kind of big houses to start doing a rosé. Okay. And it's still a classic for a reason. They do it extremely well. It's 100% Pinot Noir. Um, Again, its colour varies. Uh, It can be kind of a really delicate blush or quite a salmon-y pink. Nice. So it really does vary. So don't be put off if you pour a glass and it's a lot brighter than you're expecting it to be. And that just depends on how much... Uh, skin contact the grapes have had yeah um, but yeah it's beautiful really elegant wine really fine bubbles yeah and yeah it goes great with you know fish or prawns or actually like it could go quite well with some kind of more spicy Asian food as well okay yeah brilliant so whether you're having a belated Valentine's celebration yeah you can have these or just have it at any just time any of time. year yeah, yeah. don't Another, be off Another really interesting um, thing to look out for, which is kind of an emerging trend, is red sparkling. So we're all really familiar mm. with Lambrusco, which yes. gets such a bad rep, yeah. but is frankly delicious. Yeah, um, MS do a really good one of those. But also Camel Valley, which is another English producer. Oh, they do a sparkling they red. They do a sparkling red. Interesting. Yeah, and it's just a bit fuller than a rosé. Yeah, I yeah. had some in Parma. Uh, Italy, yeah. that is last year, or no, 2015, yeah. I went to a vineyard and tried some sparkling red and I wasn't convinced, but okay. I'm looking forward to trying some some new ones that yeah. are coming out now. I think, again, it's about finding the right one for you. Definitely. And, and just exploring. And the great thing about this is we get to try all these different wines. and What could be better? Yeah. Great, great time. I do. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. I want to order a bottle of sparkling fizz right now. You should. With a blush. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to Sarah and to everybody on this week's podcast and thank you to you, our lovely listeners. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Olive Magazine podcast. Remember, you can listen back to all of the Olive Magazine podcasts on iTunes, Acast or your favourite podcast providers. We've got so much amazing content for you to listen to. And remember, you can always head to olivemagazine.com for all of our recipes, restaurant reviews and travel ideas, plus plenty of videos. And remember to get in touch if you ever want to tell us what to talk about next week. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, you can still buy our February issue out now in the shops it's got that gorgeous Nutella pancakes on the front cover go and buy it happy eating happy cooking happy listening and we'll see you next week